Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So let's go ahead and dive into Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 uh, through 27. I entitled this old Daniel, I, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. And so as we left the last time we were in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel was, was praying and Gabriel appears. And so Daniel purposed his heart to follow the Lord, and now we just uh, we see the, the answer uh, that Daniel's looking for. Uh, tonight, as we dive into uh, tonight's word, one of the things that I pray is that you remember uh, the purpose that Daniel had on his life, that he was obedient to God. And uh, one of the things that I absolutely love about Daniel is not only that he was obedient, obe- obedient to God, but he was that way since he was a child and and all through all through his uh adult life and now he's into his 80s and at this point one of the things that uh that we we look at as we we dive into this book is we're going to deal with something tonight where many many discussions happen over these verses theologians have discuss this over and over so what i want to try to do is give it to you as simplistic as possible uh so that way you can understand it if if you want to dive into it deeper and you want to do a study on the 70th week lord knows there's a lot of stuff written on it but i think the way that the new living translation breaks it down is probably the easiest way to understand it the new living translation in daniel chapter 9 verse 24 says a period of 70 sets of seven have has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion to put an end to their sin to atone for their guilt to bring in everlasting righteousness to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place so a period of 70 sets of seven so just remember that unfortunately if you're like me you're not a a big math buff um we're going to be there, there's a little bit of math to today's chapter and so as we get into it a lot of times what happens is people will check out when you get to this part of the scripture because it just there's so much that's here and uh, we want to remember that when we come to the word of god we come to the word of god as as pupils as as children to learn god's word as god teaches us god's word and and we learn his precepts and his instructions and that it with prophecy is that it should actually move us to a place where we're we're changed into the image of God and we're we're ready to uh, for the return of Christ and through God's word is what we believe will dictate how we will behave so what we believe will dictate how we how we will behave and so just this topic alone tonight as we we talk about the 70 the year of the 70 
70th week and it gets into the Antichrist and it gets into the uh, it gets into the tribulation period there are people that will spend all of their time focused on the Antichrist and the beast and uh, and, and he'll declare himself the Antichrist and and the people that will worship him will choose willingly to worship him this is something that's very important because a lot of times what we see we see people freaking out about technology. Yes, technology is moving in the direction of a one world order. But you have to willingly choose to, to worship the Antichrist. Now, you're pre-tribulation. If you're a follower of Christ, you're not going to be here. And, and so what will happen is a lot of people will, will spend just countless hours online this technology and this technology and instead of focusing on what prophecy is prophecy is understanding uh, that it, we shouldn't be afraid to to come to prophecy and understanding that it's god's word and history that's advanced meaning that god's history has already been set god's in control he's prepared everything that's going to happen beforehand which should actually give us some peace of mind and as Christians we should not be freaking out now a lot of times what will happen is is people will spend uh, uh, quite a bit of time studying prophecy as as looking at end times events without understanding that prophecy is he's the God of prophecy you're supposed to learn about God and and so you know I, a lot of people there are a lot of great people who do uh, studies on it, you know, uh, that that will actually break down things that are happening biblically by Scripture, and that's the way that we go into prophecy. That's how we should look at it. Um, we need to be careful because there's a lot of people that will spend more time focused on the prophecy and not on the prophecy of God. And and I hope you get that. Meaning that what they'll do is they'll chase every little rabbit hole, and they miss studying God's word. And, and so that's, that's what we don't want to do. And so as we dive into tonight's scripture, let's go ahead and pick it up from Daniel chapter 9, verse 19, just to kind of give you an idea of where we left off. It says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay, not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And verse 20 says, While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. So he's, he's confessing his sin. And I love what he says there. He's like confessing whose sin? My sin. My sin. And then confessing the sin of the people of Israel. And so there's a place of confession that's happening for Daniel. His heart is broken not only for the, the nation of Israel, but he's also dealing with his own sin. And that's a very important thing as we, as we spend time in prayer. You know, people may think they don't sin, but you do. Usually by within the first 30 minutes of your day, something's happened. Probably here, most likely, in the head. Temptation, something, get angry. You may not say it, but you say it here. And, and so we need to deal with our own sin. Confession of personal sin is so important in our lives. 
And, and I love the way Jeremiah 25 verse 29 says it as he's talking about the nation of Israel. It says, For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name, and you shall go, uh, and you shall go unpunished. You shall not go unpunished, for I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. So Daniel's in the process of prayer and supplication, and he's praying for the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel has been judged. And, and that's what's happening as he sees the vision that, uh, that he was given. And it was distressing him. Remember, we, we finished and he was, he was unable to sleep. It says in verse 21, While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me, and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Daniel's in the middle of his prayer, and an angel of the Lord appears. God answers him in the middle of his prayer. One of the things that's very important, and we talked about this, is that we need to remember that God uses angels as ministering spirits. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. So if you, if you belong to Jesus Christ and you, you have somebody that you're sincerely worried about, God sends a messenger. He'll send a messenger to you. And we may not think that those activities are, are happening the way that we want them to or things are moving as quickly as we, we need, but we need to understand that God can even send a messenger, an angel. And God cared so much about Daniel's prayer. In the middle of Daniel's prayer, he stops him. And he tells him something very important. The word understand is repeated over and over. He wants us to understand him. And, and the angel's going to help with the message and, 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 and actually interpret the message of the Lord. In Psalm 103, 19, verses uh, 19 through 21 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministering of his, ministers of His, who do His pleasure. They're messengers of enormous power to do, being sent to, to do God's will. And the Lord has, has mercy as He sends them out to help you. And here we have Gabriel who's going to come and answer and, and talk about the nation of Israel. And he says, He made me understand. He made me understand, speaking with me, saying, and this is where we get our title from, Old Daniel, I have not come out to give you insight. I have, not, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. We'll see that word understand over and over in the scripture. And one of the things I love in the New King James Version, it actually says that he's going to give you, he's going to help you to be skilled to understand. Skilled to understand. We're given the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to you in remembrance all that I have said to you. So we know that God is on the throne. And there are times when we don't understand stuff and all you have to do is start praying. Go to His Word. If you read His Word and you go, I don't understand it. You're in the book of Daniel and you go, man, I, I don't get this 70-week thing. You have the Holy Spirit to understand it. You just need to ask. God will help you understand. God will even send somebody to you to help you understand. It's very important to, that we, we, when we come to Scripture, we come to it with the need to understand it. And, and Daniel at this point it has this vision that he's been given, and he doesn't understand it. And he's seeking understanding. And God sends an angel. The other thing that we get from this is as Daniel's in the middle of his prayer, we know that God is on the throne. He holds the prophetic time clock. God does. God does. It's, it's in his hand. And, and not only the prophetic time clock, but your time is included in that. Your future. Your purpose, your plan that he has for your life. Not only the, the plans that he has for this world, but the plans that he has for your life. Personally. Your personal relationship with Christ. God has already written out the history. It's already done. From beginning to end. How everything's going to happen. Victory is already his. We need to understand that when it seems like everything's out of control, it's not. He's in control. We, we, we have to, if you get anything out of this, that's the one thing that I hope you remember, that when you see things that are happening in the news and you see things that are going on in the world, understand that God is still on the throne. That His grace and His mercies are new every day. And that He loves you. And He seeks to, be, to spend time with you. He wants you to understand who He is. And, and that's why we talked about the kingdom of God, the importance of it. Sadly, what's happened, what's happened lately is pastors will avoid prophecy. They'll avoid the book of Daniel. They'll avoid the book of Revelation. I was reading something this week. Only one in four pastors will actually talk about the sin of abortion. They don't want to talk about it. It's too much for them to, to worry about how it's going to be delivered or how the congregation is going to take it. But if we go by what the Word of God says, we're students of God's Word. We need to know. We need to have understanding. We teach the whole counsel of, of God's Word. The Bible is the story of God. So that's one of the things that's so important is that prophecy is important, but not more important than God. It's something that we should study, not only as a church, but you know, one of the things I love is I was thinking we're almost at the end of the book of Daniel. We got chapters 10 and 11 and 12. So we got three more weeks of, of Daniel. 
And, and realistically, we're fixing to go into the Olivet Discourse. So we're going to be talking about end times again, which I like. Because I, I, my plan is not to do a prophecy update every, every month, but maybe every other month we'll do one. Because it's important for us to look at Scripture and see what's happening in the world based upon Scripture. Prophecy, when we look at prophecy, it should be an urgency to understand that it is the need to live for Christ today. That's what prophecy does. It should move you to actually want to love and serve Christ today as if he's coming back tonight. And a lot of people don't believe that. They think they got all the time in the world. And you're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. Remember back in Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Well, knowledge is increasing. We know that. The Google tells us that all the time. Unfortunately, it's not good knowledge. I just said the name again. They're probably going to buzz this. You're telling people that men can have babies, which is, that's a whole nother. That's not the kind of knowledge you need. But think about it. We're learning more today, especially our kids. They have more access to information than we ever had. I think they said that compared to when we grew up, they get what, you know, what we would get in a year, they would get like in a month or in a week. That's how much information they have access to and how much they're going through because of spending time on phones and tablets and computers. And they're overloaded with knowledge. The question you have to ask is there, as they're overloaded with knowledge, is it, is it biblical knowledge? Right? What are they learning? Because see, the more that we learn about Scripture, Daniel's right. Daniel's you know, as he's saying this, as he's receiving this and saying that knowledge shall increase. Well, guess what? Knowledge of the Word of God has increased. Knowledge of prophecy has increased. The, just because we have stuff that's out there that's no good, we have good stuff out there. There's stuff that you can find on, on prophecy updates. There's things that, that Tom Hughes does. There's things that... There's so many pastors and Don Stewart and those guys that they do... Jack Hibbs, they'll have people on there, and there are prophecy updates, but that's because the knowledge is increasing. We see things happening. We hear the word or the term one world order quite a bit now. They're not trying to hide it. They're not trying to hide it. I, one of the greatest things I heard this week was from Jason Whitlock. And he said, as he was talking about the abortion thing, and, and as they're... This is, this is where knowledge can be bad and misinformation is there. So, arson. Somebody throws a, uh, a Molotov cocktail into the, the, the pregnancy, pro-life pregnancy center and says, if we're not safe, then you're not safe. They paint it on the building. It's, it's arson. The investigator says it's arson. Right? Well, the news people said it was a fire, a fire got started in the building. Didn't say that somebody threw a, a 
started the fire, arson. But that's what's being put out. Um, I never in my lifetime would have thought we would actually put out addresses of our judges. That blows me away. Again, knowledge is out there, but is it good? Being used for good. But Jason Whitlock said this, and, and I don't have it written down specifically how he said it, but he basically said it is a spiritual warfare. We're in a battle of good and evil. It has no longer been like, I think that's a bad thing. No, that's an evil thing. It's, it's obvious. Especially to us as, as Christians, we understand that this is a battle that's happening that's spiritual. It tells us that in Ephesians 6, that this is going to happen. And we're supposed to have on the armor of God, but he, he just said it's never been more obvious than what's happened this week. That, that we're in a battle of good and evil. And it's true. It's true. It's, it's very true. But in order for, one of the things I heard is that, that it's the far-right Christian group that's coming to Washington. That was a lie. Where's that crazy lady with the misinformation, right? That's supposed to be monitoring all this stuff. That came from CNN. The, the Christians are not storm in the castle we're not doing that we're praying for the nation that's what we're supposed to do but we also understand in order for a one world order to happen they have to disrupt christianity they have to disrupt god's word they have to disrupt what the church can do and so we need to understand as we look at what's happening we shouldn't freak out god's in control Daniel's learning this as Gabriel's given this. God is in control. Daniel, I got this. Right? And so for us, that's the same thing. As we see the things that are going on in our world, we shouldn't freak out. You know, we shouldn't be running around, you know, like Chicken Little saying the, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. It's not falling. God's in control. We need to remember that. Verse 23, as we get into the math portion of the, the scripture, a little bit of the technical portion too as we get in these next verses. It says, At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Do you, do you, did you get that? I heard your pleas, like it's like the beginning, your pleas for mercy. A word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. That's what Gabriel came to tell Daniel. You're greatly loved. And if nobody's told you that in a long time, you are. You're greatly loved by God. I love that. It says, therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for the iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and, and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Now, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one 
The anointed one is actually the word Messiah. Jesus Christ. Right? Coming of an anointed one, a prince. There shall be seven, uh, seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat built in a troubled time. So God has set aside a specific time and a time frame to accomplish exactly what he needs to do. There's never a point where God is going, I don't know what's going to happen now because this happened. God is in control. The people running the country may not look like they're in control, but God is. The people of the world organizations may not look like they're in control, but God is. God's putting things in place. This, this world has an expiration date. And, and he is going to be sending his son Jesus to come judge this world. There's a time and a time frame that's been set aside. A work that God's going to do. And we do have a God who cares. And some of us maybe grew up with the concept of thinking that God is a... Uh, why does God allow this to happen? Why did God allow this, this thing to happen to this good person? Well, that wasn't a good person. None of us are good. But why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow babies to be killed when Jesus was born because sin is in the world and that man who decided to kill him who was not really religious but acted like he was a Jew decided we're going to kill all the children and, and that's, that's what happened because of sin and maybe that's your thought of, of, of God is you question all the time why did God allow COVID why did God allow sin entered the world? Sickness entered the world. Dece people deceiving each other entered the world. Lying. Deception. Satan. All of that stuff is happening. You see, God is a just God. He's not a God that wants to just punish you or condemn you. The scripture shows us that's not true. See, for me, my God was always, and this is the false God that I made up in my mind. Remember, I talked about that. When we have God, what we do is we, when we don't really have a relationship with God or you have a religion like I did with the Catholic religion, I thought my good had to outweigh my bad. I used to think that when I would go into confession as a kid, I'm confessing and probably with and the hour or the hour and a half, two hours after I left confession, I had already sinned again. Do I have to go back? What happens if I die? Because I didn't confess my sin. Those are all the things that were going through my head as a kid. Then I had the God as I became an adult where I need to, my good should outweigh my bad. And, and unfortunately, at some point, you realize that's false because you realize you're bad. You can never catch up because you continually do bad. And you just come to a place of saying, you know what, I'm just going <laughs> to, I guess I'm just going to have to, maybe God will just let me in. He'll have, he'll have mercy on me. Well, that's not true. But see, this is a God that I created in my mind. It was an, an idol, a false god. And many people do that. 
And see, the God that, that is going to be uh, sending his son to die on the cross, and it's a reminder that his son came to save each one of us. And, and that when we give our heart to Christ and we decide to follow God and repent, We live in a, in a wonderful world of grace and His love and mercy and that our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. The one thing that really stuck out to me as I was reading this, you know, as, as it was talking about the anointed one, right? The word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, and that's the Messiah. As I kept thinking about how God sent when the prodigal came home. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and he is found, and they begin to celebrate. And I love that because it just reminds me as he's telling Daniel, Daniel, you're greatly loved. You're greatly loved. No matter what you're going through, God loves you. And it's a personal God. God sends his angel to Daniel, to his servant, and tells him you're greatly loved. He wants that personal relationship with us. And so no matter where we're at in our life, no matter what trouble or how hopeless we think things are, we're not that far off from God. Because God is in control and He wants that relationship to you. He wants to make Himself real to you. In Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, I love this verse. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Come now. He's inviting you to a relationship. Come. He wants to remove your sin. To completely cleanse you. And he does that through the anointed one, the Messiah. Let's reason together. Let's know who God is. Personally. That's a personal God. Because people will say God is far off. God does not care about what's going on in our world. But we see that's a lie because he sends an angel to Gabriel and he says, you're greatly loved. You're greatly loved. And in this verse in Isaiah, he's telling you, come. Let's reason together. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be in a relationship with God. And yet he's in control. And yet God is moving things along. And one thing that we need to remember, because this is being taught by some churches, 
The nation of Israel and Jerusalem are still the epicenter. His people, his nation. Some people will say, well, that's the church. No, it's not. The nation of Israel will be redeemed. I was talking to my dad today, and he was telling me they have somebody that they know. They keep going back and forth to Israel. And they're Jewish descent. And I'm like, at some point, they're going to stay because God is calling them back to the land. That's why so many people are returning. Because everything's moving to end times, to the final scene of the, of the movie, so to say. In verse 25, it says, Now therefore understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, Jesus Christ, that's the Messiah, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats, but built in troubled time. Now remember, I told you that verse in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 in the NLT. Easiest way to remember it. Now listen and understand 70 sets of 7 plus 62 sets of 7. That's probably the easiest way. Now I know your head is probably like mine when I was going over this. I'm like, I'm not good at math, Lord. But again, what did God say in this? I'm going to help you understand. Right? I'm going to help you understand and hopefully I don't confuse you here. And so 60, uh, so we're looking at 62 sets of 7. So six, uh, 7 weeks plus 62 sets of 7. And then it says in verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And it shall, become, uh, it shall come with a flood. And to the end there shall be a war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for a week and for a half, of, half of the week. He shall put, in, uh, put an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate, desolate until the decree ends poured out of the desolator. Now that's a lot to take in, but one of the things we need to establish right off the bat is what is a week, right? In Hebrew, uh, when we see the word seven, uh, in Hebrew it's actually a, not a, a week, like we're thinking about, it's a week of seven, right? But in Hebrew, it's actually meaning a, uh, a measurement or a unit of seven, right? And so if you think about it, how, ma how many eggs are in a dozen? Twelve. So that's how they look at it with, with uh, the Hebrew nation, is they would look at a, a seven period of, of being a measurement uh, or a unit of measurement. So a decade is ten. And so in the Jewish mind, this, this could be a week of days or years, right? But we look at Genesis chapter 29, verses 26 and 27, as we look at Jacob and Rachel. It is not a custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. Laban, Laban replied, but wait until the bridal week is over. Then we will give you, Rachel, to provide you a promise to work another seven years for me. And so ancient Hebrew thought is the term of sevens, weekly Sabbath, right? Seven, right? And so uh, the Sabbath year was the, the seventh year. And so they were supposed to, the Jews had failed to keep the Sabbath. They disobeyed God. And if you, you don't think that God is slow to anger, 
it took them a, they didn't give the land rest and God allowed that to go on for 490 years before he sought judgment on the nation of Israel the nation had disobeyed God and so the Sabbath years that were lost were 490 divided by 7 is how many? 70 years of captivity okay and so these weeks mentioned as a set of 70s represent years and so even the Jewish commentators agree that uh, that it is to be years 70 weeks determined uh, 490 years and and so when we look at this it uh, as it goes into it 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish transgression and to put an end to sin and atone for iniquity to bring everlasting righteousness to seal both the uh, prophet and to anoint the most holy. So what's going to happen in that 70 years? Six things are decreed. Right? Finish the transgression. End the sin. Atone for the iniquity. Bring everlasting righteousness. Confirm and seal both the vision and the prophet. And anoint a most holy place. And everlasting righteousness will be done. Now, if you think everlasting righteousness has been done, it hasn't, not yet. It will come. And we see the first decree. So if, as you read Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, it, it begins to talk about the, the restoring and the building of Jerusalem before the anointed one, right? So the first decree is actually covered in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. And that was when... Uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, actually sent out and said they could, they could go back and, and, uh, and, and go back to their land. In the second decree in Ezra chapter 6, verse 12, it says, My God, who has caused his name to dwell, there overthrow any king or people who shall put, on, uh, or put out a, a, hand to the altar, alt, a hand to alter this or destroy this house of God. That is Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it uh, be done with all diligence. And then the, another decree that was done in Ezra chapter 7 verse 13. I make a decree that any one of the people of Israel or the priests or Levites in my kingdom who freely offers to go to Jerusalem may go with you. So they return to Jerusalem. They begin to return to Jerusalem. And then finally what we remember in Nehemiah. Right in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of the king Arxerxes, when the wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not, had not been sad in his presence. And he asked the king, can he go back to Jerusalem and build the walls? Right? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burnt. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And so what they're doing is they're actually going to rebuild the walls, right? And then the city and the town. And, and that word moat actually uh, in the Hebrew means a defensive barrier in the town. So you have the, the 77s, the three subdivisions of the sevens. So seven sevens for... Uh, as we're looking at the, the rebuilding of the Jerusalem. And then you, you have the advent, the tribulation. Uh, uh, not the tribulation, but the actual uh, triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. 
It's 49 plus 434 equals 483, and it's actually the same. We talked about that. It's the same day that he was supposed to come. And then we see a gap here, and we'll talk about that, between the 69th and the 70th week. And then we have 1-7, uh, the seven years of tribulation. And so the command date that was given to Nehemiah was March chapter 14, 445 B.C. to rebuild the wall and restore it. That date is in history. This has been historically attested. That's been a it's, it's, in, it's, it's important to remember. So the 69 weeks, which is actually 483 years from March 14, 445 B.C., Actually, when you look at the days, the actual days, and you add it up, it actually turns out to be April 6, 32 A.D. 69 years times 7 times 360 days. Now, you may go, well, how come it's 360 days? Back then, during the time of, of Daniel and the time of Nehemiah, they used a calendar that was based upon the movement of the moon. So it wasn't a 365 or 366 calendar. That equals 173,880 days. And when you take the days from March chapter, or when you take the days, I keep trying to go into that, March 14th, 445 B.C., and you, you, you take those days, 173,880 days, April 6, 32 A.D. is when Jesus rode in on the donkey. The exact day the anointed one, the prince, was supposed to be this prophecy has been fulfilled to the exact day and and that's why he tells them in matthew 21 you should have known you should have known this it was in daniel everything was there and you missed it you missed it that's why we have to be very careful a lot of people will spend all their time in theology and they miss that they're supposed to be worshiping God and being in God's Word to worship God. That's why we spend time in God's Word. It's to get to know God better. When, so when we worship God, we understand that He's the King and that He's on the throne, that He's in control, that He's our God. But what happens is we worship theology. There are many people today that worship theology. And yet they don't know the Word of God. Because they don't personally have a relationship with God. Just look at the Pharisees. We're going to dive back into that as we go back in the book of Mark. As we remember at the very beginning of chapter 10, it's the Pharisees that are missing Jesus. It's the children. Out of all the stories, the rich young ruler missed it. Disciples were fighting and the children are the ones who, who come to Jesus. In verse 26, it says, In the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And you go, well, why? wait a minute. So Jesus is what? He, he was killed and crucified on the cross, right? So he was punished by death. Right? And it says, shall have nothing, appearing to accomplish nothing. But we know that's not true. 
the ruler comes and right now what we're in is we're in the in-between time the age of the fullness of the Gentiles that's where we're at so we're between the 69th and the 70th week before the the seven-year tribulation period begins in the book of Revelation so what do we need to have happen before the rapture what's next Nothing. Donna's absolutely right. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. That's why he says in verse 27, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for a half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decree end is poured out on the desolator. And remember, God is going to come for the nation of Israel. And it's going to be at the epicenter of Jerusalem. Everything that happens, happens and is moving towards Jerusalem. But remember, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22, it says, For the name of the Lord will not, for the Lord, uh, will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it, is, it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. He's not going to give up. God is not going to abandon them. And it's God's persistent love and grace for not only the nation of Israel, but for us. And you probably feel the weight of this scripture as you're trying to figure out the math and all the stuff that's in there. The, the key, remember that New Living Translation. That's the way to remember it the best way. It's, it, the New Living Translation just makes it simple. Remember that there's a book that you can read if you want to dive into it. And I didn't give you that. It's, it's The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson that actually goes into the very details of the 69 times 7 times the 360 days that equal the 173,880 days to mark the exact day that Jesus came in on the, on the, on the donkey. To be, to be declared uh, king and only a few days later to be yelled to uh, crucify him, crucify him. And see, we feel the weight of that. We feel the weight of this scripture. That's the same thing that was heavy on Daniel's mind. And, and actually, honestly, we should probably feel the weight of what's happening in our nation. If you actually care for, for people, right? There are a lot of things that are going on and a lot of people that are lost and need Christ. And that same heaviness that Daniel has for the nation of Israel, we should have for the United States as Christians. Remember we talked about prayer? And how important prayer is. I heard this past week. Uh, somebody was saying that. A pastor was saying that you shouldn't pray for the president. That goes against scripture. We're supposed to be praying for our leaders. We need to be lifting them up. I, you may not agree with what their decisions are. And I get all that. I understand. 
but you need to be praying for the president. You need to be praying for the administration and the Congress and the Senate. You know, you need to keep asking God to expose things that are evil. He, I, I'm going to tell you what, I've never seen more stuff that's come out to expose the evil of abortion. It's out there. There's, there's information out there. And you should know it as a believer. You should know what it actually is. You should know what the plan B box is. That it's actually an abortion in a box. You should understand all that stuff. That should break your heart. You know that God created them in the womb and they're being killed in the womb. But we should have that same heaviness that Daniel had and that same unrest that Daniel had to be praying for our nation. To be actually coming and, and, and crying out the way that Daniel was at the very beginning of this verse. At the very beginning as we read that verse as he's crying out and confessing his sins. We need to be doing the same thing. We need, to be, we need to be pleading to the Lord to turn this nation back to Christ. And, and I've told you, I'll, I'll say it again. You pray for an angel to shake the ground of the foundation of the Congress, of the Senate. You can ask the God to send angels to, to shake every Christian politician who's for abortion. To make himself real to where they have no choice but to make a decision to actually start to follow him or not. And we need to do that. We need to be praying for, like we need to be pleading to God. Pleading to God. It's, you know, at the end of the day, we kill more people by, by abortion than we do anything else in this world. And, and at the end of the day, it's like our nation is leading it and trying to find new ways to do it. And let's sell this body part and let's sell that body part. And it's like we can't do that stuff. And we can't have, at the end of the day, we, we, we can't have a nation that turns its, turns its back on Israel or Jerusalem. And we need to be in prayer for, for our nation. Our nation's in a very dire tailspin. But yet, it's the same tailspin that created the Jesus movement back in 1971-72. Remember, they come out of the, the, the late 60s and, and the turmoil and all the, all the, the deaths that happened from uh, the murders that were done, the assassinations and the, the unrest and the fighting and... And evil was so, you, can, you knew it was a, evil. You could see it. And you're seeing it now. And, and as believers, one of the things that we do as, as Christians is revival starts when Christ dwells in our heart and we actually allow Christ to take residence in our heart and we live for the Lord. We actually live for the Lord. And revival starts with us. And if, if we're going to get serious about, about seeing this nation turn, it, the, the church needs to wake up. The body of Christ. 
And that means, just like Daniel, <laughs> in his late 80s, pleading to God. He's been doing this since he was a kid. We need to allow God to dwell in our hearts. Man, let me let you know something tonight. You're greatly loved. God told us that in Scripture tonight for each one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for just being able to be here. We, we pray and, and just ask, Lord, that as a nation, uh, we love you, Lord. And, and we know there are things that are going on that sin. And, and we need to turn from them, Lord, as a nation. I pray as Christians, we, we, I'll confess for myself, I have not prayed the way I need to be praying, the way that Daniel prayed. Pleading to you. Crying out to you. Fasting. Praying for this nation. Praying for our leaders. Lord, our president says he's a Christian, but our our. our Leader of the house says she's a Christian. We have Republicans that are, say they're Christians, but they're receiving money from Planned Parenthood. They're actually ex not just trying to, to expand abortions, they're doing it in other nations now. Lord, stop all that stuff. Stop it. We pray for our Congress. We pray for our Senate. We pray, God, that you would just show up in a way that's real in their lives. That they would turn from their sin. Just as we need to turn from ours. They're doing evil. Expose it. If they're doing... You know, if you have people that are there trying to do your work, Lord, send more helpers for them. We pray for our governor. We pray for uh, the city uh, of Divine and, and this community, Lord. We just ask that you would just continue to show up in a mighty way. We pray for this church and the businesses that are represented in this church. We pray for the congregation, the families, the marriages. We ask, Lord, that we want revival to start and dwell in our heart, Lord. As you, if we, We've asked you to dwell in our hearts, Lord. We've, we've given our hearts to you. I, I pray that, that we would honestly assess chapter 9. Are we praying the way we're supposed to be praying? Are we pleading to you the way we're supposed to be pleading to you about our marriages, about our families, about our community, about our schools? I just ask, Lord, that you would just show up in a mighty way in each of our lives, Lord, that we would make an impact in this community. We thank you so much. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.